Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. What an awesome time to, to worship and get together. And um, I don't know if you ask my opinion, that last song is, is Emily's song, man. She, she killed that. If you guys have your Bibles open with me to Luke chapter 2. We were kind of in it this morning, but we're going to kind of read through the story of Christmas. So if you, if you have your Bibles open with me to Luke chapter 2, and the, I'm going to read a, a good chunk from 4 to 20 here. It says this. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had, to go to he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, whom he had engaged, and whom he was expecting a child. And while they were there, they came for her baby, or time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snarly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and, ra and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Do not be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped, in snug, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, laying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everybody what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And there, my friends, lies the story of Christmas that we all know, right? We're going to be in a different section of the Bible this evening, but I think it's super important, and if you've ever been here, I kind of do this thing where I, I paint the picture as we read. So what do we know about Christmas, right? What does it mean to us as, as Christians, as cowboys, as, as human beings living in this world, right? We know it's about what society has made it about, giving gifts, receiving um, bestowing honor upon others. But there's another significance that happened, like why we celebrate this, right? This is the coming of, of Jesus Christ to our, to our world. And I know that seems simple from, from a ways out, but he wasn't entering into the world uh, to, uh, in really a glorious manner, right? Like our king is being born in a manger, and he's here because he's going to die for our sins. And that's pretty deep on the surface, right? But here's the significance of this. Hope, like when we feel hope, it starts with grief because we can never experience hope without grief, right? 
And when we go through a season of grief, grief brings about joy. And that's where we see, like in the story of Christmas, what are the words that we hear the most? I ask a lot of rhetorical questions, by the way. Um, we hear these words of joy and, uh, um, and hope. And that is what Jesus brought to our world, right? Because grief brings joy, but joy is a byproduct of hope. Jesus is coming, and the reason that we celebrate that is because for the first time in our history of the world, the coming of the Messiah brought hope to our lives. For years and years and years, 2,000 of them, um, the Israelites wandered through the wilderness and lived life not knowing when the Messiah would come. But after that, after Jesus is coming, we have hope, right? Hope that everything in this world is temporary and, and all these great things are in store for us, including eternity. The reason we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Jesus is the fact that there is hope in this world. Brought by a man who was perfect, who was the son of God, who was God himself, and he came and died for us. Think about how deep that is as we go out and we celebrate this season, right? We have hope. And, and, and there's this theme I talk about, and I've talked about it many Sunday nights, right? We have joy because there's hope in this world. And the beautiful thing about joy is it can't be taken from you. We live in a world that tries to do that, and I say it often, but the world can't take your joy because the world did not give it to you in the first place. We live in a world of hope because Jesus came and died for us, and that started on, we don't know the exact date. I know we're going to get some emails. I always say, if you want to send an angry email about Tyler's theology, uh, my email is kweatherby at savethecowboy.net. Um, but... We don't know the exact day when Jesus is born. Some people will tell you it was in October or March or June. But we know there's a reason to celebrate. We know that there's hope in this world for what he did. And that, my friends, is the beauty of this season. Joy is a byproduct of hope, right? What we saw when Jesus was born was that magi, which we're going to talk about, and shepherds, and all of these people are, are brought to this man who's our king, and what we really start to see is the Holy Spirit working in this season and, and how God works. And, and, and there's a, a certain blueprint that's laid here. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. People with Jesus were willing to bring their gifts. What gifts do you guys have? Because what we see in this story is, is not just Jesus' birth and the coming and, and all of that was obviously started. But what we see is that in this story a blueprint was laid about how we are to use our gifts in God's kingdom, whether it be to help others or ultimately to, to glorify God with our gifts. People were willing to bring their gifts to Jesus. In, in preparation for this sermon, one, one thing I thought about is like I was really examining, we're going to talk about the 14 spiritual gifts that we see in the Bible, but I really did some self-examination and wanted to look at like, what are my gifts that, that, that I have? And, and one, and I always struggled with it, thinking back, my father was a great teacher. He wasn't a teacher by trade, but I, it was obvious growing up that my father's gift was spiritual teaching. He could teach me to bait and tie hooks. He could teach me to hunt and shoot and do all this stuff, even though you wouldn't know it now, but it's an eye problem. I'm getting over it. Um, I, I need contacts. Um, 
But my dad was a great teacher. And then what happened is, is as I got older, I found like I wasn't great at much from the world's perspective. I, I wasn't super fast. Like God and I have had a lot of conversations about the spiritual gifts I've been given. And I'm like, Jesus, do you have any more of those four 340s left in there? I don't like the gift that I was given, right? But what I realized is, is growing up and be, becoming a firefighter and dealing with people more is that I'm a great teacher like my father. And I struggled with that for a long time because I wanted to have a flashier gift or I wanted to um, have a better gift of speaking or any of that stuff. But that was what I was good at. And where I hit a, a spiritual um, maturity with God is when I started embracing that, right? Teaching people at work, getting on stage, things like that where I discovered these abilities within myself. So let me ask you guys this, rhetorical question. What gift, what spiritual gift or gifts do you have within you? And how can you use those? And that's what we're gonna look at tonight. What are your gifts? And I want you guys to keep this in mind as we, as we go through tonight. Jesus' birth was the first instance of lasting hope in this world and reminds us of this. That a savior implies that we are all worth saving and a gift implies that God is worthy of our glorifications. A savior implies that every single soul in this room is worthy of being saved. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, you are forgiven and you are worthy. And the gifts we are given, God is worthy of. So keep that in mind as we go through here. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We went through the first story of Christmas. I'm going to read real quick through the second. Matthew chapter 2 says this in verse 1. A long one again. Bear with me and then I'm done, I promise. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the reign of King Herod, about the, uh, about the same time, some wise men from, from the eastern lands in Jerusalem came asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars that rose, and we came to worship him. How beautiful is that verse? We came to worship him. It's a baby, mind you. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and everyone in Jerusalem he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is this Messiah you're supposed to be of? So like Kevin spoke this morning, right? We see him start to get jealous. They answered, in Bethlehem of Judea, this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come for you who will be the shepherd of my people of Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him, right? A little bit of trickery there. We know what's going on. When they saw the star, they, uh, I'm sorry. After this interview, the wise men went their way and, they, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bestowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We all know that story, right? When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So what we see, right, like there's 
our, our savior and our king is born, right? And he's somewhere around and there's this buzz about him. So the king of the time, Herod, who we know was a, a dictator and a ruler and um, all of these nasty things that Israel dealt with for thousands and thousands of years, is trying to figure out where this baby is. So he's kind of manipulating, which we'll see kind of that spiritual gift in here. He's manipulating the wise men into telling them where Jesus is. And what we see here is that they, they receive a dream, and in their dream, they are told not to go back and tell him, right? What I want to highlight about that is, is throughout Jesus' birth, what we see here is the Holy Spirit working in tandem, right? Coming to people in their dreams, protecting Jesus, because we know as we talked about the story, or this morning, the story will go on, and Herod will order the, the murder of any child under two um, after the wise men don't come back to him. So a lot of evil is happening, and what we see here, right, is, is we know the, the, uh, the Christmas story of this, but these three magi, what is a magi? What it is, is it wasn't necessarily a king or an official of the time, but it was a very wise, popular person in society. And I tried to think of, like, some similarities today, and I'm, I don't know, like Elon Musk or, or whatever, but they're not liked by everybody. Like, these three magi, to be a magi, you were a wise person that was highly liked in society. So for them to come and, and bring gifts to Jesus is a big, big deal. And here's the significance of that. Think about what they brought. It says they brought gold. Gold is affiliated with kings, and Christians believe it is to be bestowed upon kings, right? So what we start to see here, aside from our Sunday school understanding of this, is that not only is, is this Jesus, but, but the actions of people high in society are telling us that this is our king and this is our Messiah. In that day, you did not, one, gold was a precious commodity that the only, only the rich had. You did not bestow that upon anybody but a king. So to, de, to de bestow gold upon Jesus was the first saying of, hey, this is our king. This is the coming of our Messiah. It says they brought frankincense. Frankincense traditionally was used in, in worship by priests and, and, and churches in the tabernacle and things like that. And it represented that people would praise Jesus, right? Anytime you saw frankincense before the coming of Jesus, it was, it was made as a smoke of worship. Um, so what they're saying here is this is our king. We bestow gold upon him, and he is worthy of our worship, right? One of the reasons I, th I think it's important, and, and there was a really, really good sermon preached about, I don't know, a week ago around this time on this stage about worship and what it means and the importance, right? That's a joke, by the way. Um, but to worship God, the reason we do it, and, the, and it looks many different ways, is because he's worthy of it. And that's what we see with frankincense, right? And the last thing they brought, and it gets a little nasty here, is called myrrh. And myrrh is actually like a, a twig fragrance. And what, Jewish, what the Jewish people or the Israelites traditionally would do with that is put it on dead bodies. So what it did was it's a really strong, pungent smell. And it would hide, it would mask the smell of these bodies, right? Because they didn't bury people traditionally like we did. Like they'd put them in musty caves and all this stuff. And um, I'm not going to get too much into that. That's another sermon, but... It was a, a beautiful fragrance, right, that symbolized this. We said we saw Jesus was a king because they gave him gold. 
and he was worthy of praise because they gave him the frankincense. What we see here, and the reason we celebrate Christmas, is, is the myrrh symbolized Jesus' coming death in this world. And I know that's a little deep for a Christmas Eve sermon, but this is where we start to see why this season is important to us. Because our king was born, he came and was worthy of being praised, and because his coming death would deliver us hope, as we said. And that's such a big deal. This wasn't just a great, like, Sunday school story. Um, this is historical prophecy that we're seeing here. The coming of our king, born in a manger, right? Not, and, and I love that, right? Like, we're talking about a man who was perfect, who's our king, who, could, who created the universe, but yet he came to be like us and was born in a manger, right? A, a feeding trough like that. Not suitable for a king, but it tells us something, right? Jesus wanted to live a human life like us so that he could understand us, right? Not how kings were celebrated. Here's what we can learn. Our king came both as a God and as a humble servant. Our king both served and was a servant. Our king was royalty and regular, right? Born in a manger. And our king was showered with gifts, yet chose to shower all of us with gifts. So again, what's your spiritual gift? What has God placed inside of you that you can use to worship him? Just some deep thinking we can do as we go through this. Because we focus so much on material giving, right? That's what this season's all about. We see the commercials. We, we feel pressure, right? Like, I have like 10 nieces and nephews now, and I love it. Like, I love being an uncle, if you've heard my stories up here. But it's getting a little ridiculous to buy each and every one of them a gift, right? And here's the thing about that is I have to try to make it better every year. But it becomes this material thing. And what we forget in that, what we really lose lose focus on is that giving was meant to be inside of us for the first place, right? Our gifts are not meant for self-gain, and they're meant to be given back to God. And that is just a great reminder in this season what we are here for, because even us as Christians, I think we forget that, right? We forget as, as the big C church, not save the cowboy, that we are meant to give to other people, and that's hard because we spend one day a week in here, a couple of hours, and then we go out um, for many, many other hours, hundreds of hours into society who tells us the opposite of that. We are meant to use our gifts on others to glorify God. The, so let's go over some spiritual gifts here. The Bible speaks about, uh, of about 14 spiritual gifts. And, and some people may call them something different, but really they fall into 14 categories. So I'm going to go over a couple of them really quick. Some people have the gift of prophecy, which means you have the ability to inspire people with inspired messages, right? Some of our silver-tongued people out there. Some people have the gift of serving, also known as ministry. That means you get joy in giving to others and meeting others' needs. I, I think those are the most beautiful people. Some people have the gift of teaching, and that means you have a great understanding of difficult matters and have the ability to deliver and communicate instructive instruction effectively. Who are my teachers out there? No? God bless them, right? Some, some people, and this is a very limited one, and I'm not going to get too much into the theology of this, have the ability to speak in tongues. 
And that's the ability to declare the glory of God in other languages empowered by the Holy Spirit. Watch out for these people because 99% of them are false. Some people have the, the ability of exportation, which is the ability to inspire and persuade. Some people are really persuasive, and that can be a good or a bad thing. Some people have the gift of giving, and that's when you get joy in others, and this is the most important part, expecting nothing in return. And expecting nothing in return is super important for all of our gifts, right? Some people have the gift of mercy, if you have a con- meaning you have a concern for those who are hurting, some people have the gift of wisdom, which means you have the ability, knowledge, and understanding to, um, of life situations. Some people have the gift of knowledge, means you have the understanding of facts and situations. Some people have the gift of faith, and that is when you have the confidence in the Lord and the ability to inspire others. Some people, and I, I love this, I, I really think Mitch has this one, I'm around him a lot, the, the gift of discernment, which is the ability to determine good or evil and see beyond the surface. Almost done, I promise you guys. Some people have the gift of evangelism, which means you love people and you can talk easily and you rejoice in sharing about Christ. That's my worship people, right? Some people have the gift of hospitality, which means you have an unselfish desire to meet the needs of others. Some people have the gift of speaking. I think Kevin has that really well. You like to talk and you are interested in others and you can articulate, right? Where I get lost in, the, in translation as a newer preacher is I sometimes lose the ability to articulate, so I'm really jealous of those people. What we see here and what I love about our spiritual gifts is it's all about bestowing talents on other people without expecting something in return. And that's what we see in the story of Christmas, right? People who are willing to go out, travel great distances, and give their gifts to our God, Jesus Christ, and expect nothing in return. And again, that's just contrary to society, right? And it's so, I think I hammered that point out, right? Knowing these gifts, what would you say, like, our, think about this, and this is going to be a deep thinking exercise. Knowing those gifts, I've already asked you what's yours. What do you think your pastors are? The people that lead you in here, what gifts do they have? What gifts does your supervisors or your boss at work have? What gifts does your spouse have or your kids or your parents have? And that's an important question because I think in order to understand people um, and to really grow as a community and and grow in um, fellowship with one another, you have to understand how other people tick. And it seems simple, right? But we have such a problem with that in church, right? Who in here doesn't have a problem with interpersonal relationships somewhere in their life? I don't see any hands, right? It's because we don't understand each other's spiritual gifts because we don't care enough to ask them and learn them and learn about each other, right? One of the interesting things is, um, for you guys that don't know or that are new to Sunday evening, I'm a firefighter by trade, um, I actually just, um, in conjunction with this story, I I hate talking about it because I'm not really about self-promotion, but I I just received a a promotion that I've been working for for five years. Um, And one of the steps in that process is we have to go through something called the Officer Development Program. 
And what they do is they teach you like how to command fires and how to lead people and how to talk to people. And they teach you a bunch of HR bullcrap, which I probably shouldn't say HR bullcrap. Um, but they teach you like how you lead firefighters. And literally the first exercise we did on the first day was we filled out these personality charts, right? And it was, you had to go through all these numbers and all this and say what you were. And then they, they got us all up in front of everybody. And based on our numbers where we fell, we were grouped together, right? And what that taught me was that everybody ticks a little bit differently, even in leadership, right? You have some people who are super hands-off, um, not very type A personalities, and I clash with those people. Um, you know, I, I love how Ty laughs because we're the same person. Uh, we're the same leader for sure. Um, I'm a man of action, right? Like, I, I'll tell you what I feel. I'm black and white, and, and I'm just a go-getter, right? Some people don't tick that way. And what it kind of taught me was that you don't have to be a certain way to lead or to be in God's kingdom. You just have to understand the people around you, what makes them tick, and what they're called to do by God. And I think if we learned that, we would learn a lot about um, dealing with other personalities and these interpersonal relationship problems that we all have, right? What spiritual gifts, and, and, and this is why it's important too. It may help you as a boss at work. It may help you as a subordinate at work. It's probably gonna help you as a spouse, and it's definitely gonna help you with your children, right? Parenting, things like that. When you understand how to talk to them, what makes them tick, how to get the best out of them based on their spiritual gifts that they were given by God. That, my friends, is a long-worded answer for the spirit of Christmas, right? For what, what um, God gave us upon his birth. So, let me reel it in here. You exist in God's kingdom for a purpose, and your gift is that purpose. But the gift's ultimate purpose is to be brought back to God. And that's either great news for you or something that you don't want to hear in this moment. It's not lost on me that, that everybody in here is in a different walk, uh, a different part of their relationship with God. Um, but your gifts, that should be good news to you, right? Are to glorify God. And if you're not doing that, then, then there's, there's a problem in your guys' relationship, right? And all of us have been there. All of us ha have been um, in a great spot with God, and all of us have been down in those valleys we talk about in Psalms 23, right? Where we're struggling or we're not feeling it. But remember that your purpose ultimately on this earth is to bring glory to God. And how do we do that? Number one, and the best way I've found, is to serve others. What you see with anybody who has a spiritual gift in the Bible is they were using it on others, which brought glory to God. Or they were bringing it to God, which brought glory to God. That, my friends, is the purpose of your guys' gifts. So how can we know if we are using our gifts? A couple ways, and you hear it here all the time, and it's a reoccurring theme in the Bible. Are you dying to self? Are you dying to self? I know, like, I struggle with that hardcore, and it's hard, like, as a new pastor and all of these things, but get your ego out of the way and do what God is telling you. And it's not easy. Nothing about this is easy. 
But if you're having a trouble, if you're having trouble with your ego, or you're having trouble doing something that you are being called to do, you're not using your spiritual gifts correctly. Another one, and I'm going to tiptoe around this a little bit, but when your guys' alarm goes off, who's crazy? Like, who jumps up ready to go and serve their purpose in this world, your God-given gift, right? A lot of us struggle with that, but there should be something inside of us that makes us really excited to do what God has put us on this earth to do, whatever that is, right? When your alarm goes off, Practice being happy because God put breath in your lungs, blood in your heart, and he gave you a purpose on this earth for you to go out and serve. I know the world is tough, but this is temporary and we have eternity in store. Use your gifts and be excited about it. And if you're not, then you're probably not using your gifts correctly. The last one I can really think about is how are you using your gifts to bless others? If you're not volunteering, if you're not giving, if you're not sacrificing parts of yourself to help others, there's a very good chance that you are not using your spiritual gifts with God, right? Think about the three wise men and the shepherds that went and saw Jesus, right? Long walk, they had to give up riches and, and gold and all of these precious possessions back then. And that's the blueprint we see that we should be doing with our own gifts. And some of you may feel like standing in here that you have nothing to offer. Or you maybe are young and you haven't recognized that you, what your gifts are. Or maybe some of you are old and you haven't recognized or figured out what your spiritual gifts are. That's a connection that needs to happen between you and God. And it happens in prayer. It happens getting in, into your Bible. But here's the easiest way to identify what your specific spiritual gifts are. What can you do with minimal effort that you're really good at? Think about those 14 things I talked about, and I know like I don't even remember all 14. I had to write them down. But what do you do with minimal effort? For some of you, maybe it's making a bed and you have the gift of hospitality. For a lot of you, it's being a mother or being a father, and I think that's one of the most precious gifts that God has bestowed upon people mothering and, and, and developing people. And, and we just see so many good instances of that, today, of that in this church, right? We saw it today with Koi being baptized, and I saw Ty up there crying. Um, all of those great things, right? Maybe some of you have the spiritual gift of nurturing. Maybe some of you are great speakers or great talkers. Everything that you guys are good at will fall into one of those 14 categories. My question to you guys is how are you using it? How are you using it to help others and bring all of that to God? In closing, that is what Christmas is about, right? Um, we saw that we lived before Jesus. We, I never get on this side of the light, so this is a little different. Um, but we lived in, in a seemingly hopeless world. We were waiting for a Messiah to come. And I say we like we were alive, but you get the, you get the point. Before the coming of Jesus Christ, who didn't come into a good world. It isn't the Sunday school picture that we made of him. Um, before the gift of Jesus Christ to this world, there was no reason to have hope. The only hope, the only light that was at the end of the tunnel was, um, was um, the fact that a Messiah is coming, right? Right? 
that that there is a light at the end of the tunnel because I trust in God and I know he's coming. But we should be thankful because we live in a world where that has come. We live in a world where we don't have to look for the light at the end of the tunnel. We look back at the tunnel because our hope is already here. And that's such a big, a big, uh, think about what it meant to be an Israelite. Let me put it this way where you were stranded 38 years in the wilderness and guaranteed a promised land. And think about your life and the lives that we have now. In many ways, a lot of our lives are harder. I think the more technology and the more stuff that happens, the harder it is to have genuine connections with people and especially with God. But because Jesus coming and being born in a manger and, and, um, and just being relatable to us and coming into this evil world that would beat him and, and he would suffer for our deaths, we have hope and we have joy and we have all of those wonderful things that many, many people for 2,000 years before Jesus is coming longed for. And that, my friends, is why we should have hope in, in this world, right? Because God has given us the gift of community. He's given us the gift of church. He's given us family and friends. And he's given us talents in this world um, that are just such a blessing. And you may not like yours, like my story at the beginning, but find a way to find what it is and use it for God's glory and, and to just come together as a church and be thankful in this season and give our gifts back to God because that's what they were always meant for. Um, speaking of spiritual gifts, right? I'm gonna stop blabbering up here. We're gonna close out with one more song because um, Emily just has this amazing voice and, and um, I know this service was a little different, but what an amazing way to, to worship God in this season is to just hear what other people have in store in this church. Um, so join us for one more worship song if you guys don't mind. God bless y'all. fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God and oh my father 
I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so with every breath that I am able, oh, I'll sing of oh, the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. You give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. So all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God oh my life you have been faithful and oh my you have been so, so good with every breath that I am able. Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. Close with me in prayer. Lord, thank you for this congregation, this family that has become so close over the years, especially the last few. Lord, thank you for the growth that you've seen in the community and, and uh, how your name is, is being praised in, in the names of, or in the mouths of people that, that don't even have a relationship with you yet just because of the love that's shown to them through this congregation, Lord. Give us all an image of what it was like when you came to earth uh, tonight on Christmas. This, the spiritual warfare, the, the attacks and the, the attempts to thwart this gift that you've given us, Lord. Help us to understand what a huge gift that was to us. In your name, amen.